Get Heavy Podcast, hosted by Craig Casamas and John Scheimer. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Get Heavy. Another beautiful evening. Uh, we got John Scheimer back in the house, back from vacation. Good everybody. He enjoyed himself on the lake like a real fucking true American. Did you okay, shoot fireworks? I rented, a, I rented a pond. No, no, because <laughs> I didn't want to burn down the fucking forest. Yeah. The last time I was at that lake, there was like a huge fire that happened. And, you know, oh, that's right. Yeah. I rented a pontoon boat. I was American as fuck. That's American right. American as fuck. Well, welcome uh, back, dude. You know, only wore a mask like 50% of the time. American as fuck. That's right, man. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, tonight we got um our my my buddy. We've known each other since we we're 15, 16 years old. So Dave long. Walker, uh, drummer Hello. of literally one billion bands. Uh, let's start with the old stuff: Uphill Battle, Intronaut, Exhumed, Phobia. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, how many others? Bad Acid Trip. Bad Acid Trip. Bad acid uh, what else did you? Bastard Noise. Um, I'll go back. Synomulist. How's that? <laughs> Right. Destroy Babylon. Destroy Babylon. Fox Destroy. and Nihil, if you really want to get it. Uh, there you go, man. Yeah, anyway, how the fuck are you, brother? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, trying to stay sane like the rest of us. Um, yeah. Taking one day at a time. Things are strange for all of us, you know. Um, now looking for work. I think I finally uh, will get my unemployment, I think, this week. So that's exciting. Oh, that's nice. Having, that's oh, time to run out. Yeah. Are you going to be backlogged? Hopefully, is that what's is that the plan? Or I mean, I don't know. I I I had to go get a fucking job right when fucking this shit hit, so I would not get unemployment. Right. Well, you know, as you know, it was it was it was the shows and it was um you know work in the bars and then both those are non-existent and uh, yeah. I locked out and I got a job at Bevmo for a little while. It's kind of a temp thing. And, oh, nice. Uh, our sales soared through the roof. I mean, as soon as the bars and the restaurants closed down, everyone was freaking out and stocking up on wine like toilet paper and water, man. I mean, uh, we kept yeah. busy. And then once we opened the doors, they, you know, laid a few of us off. And yeah, it is what it is. I'm like, shit, well, what am I going to do? Uh, well, hopefully you're going to get some of that fucking six extra $600 back pay for a while. You know what I mean? Because I know it runs out this, this month or something, right? All these oh, fucking... The beginning yeah. of the month, beginning of August. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're in August now. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Oh, I won't hold my breath. It, it'll be a pleasant surprise if it does happen. But uh, you know, yeah, anything is something. So yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Well, I was thinking back the other day. I was like, damn, I don't remember the first time I met you, but I remember the first time playing with you. And probably was about the same time. Was back in the Laser Star days. I was gonna say Maybe. Laser Star. You would have been in Destroy Babylon. I was in Amphesis uh, or something back yeah. then. Yeah, we played and, together uh, a lot. Yeah. I was I remember going, this 15, 16 year old kid is better than any drummer I've ever seen in my life, dude. And uh and then I remember meeting you years, you know, a year or two later and you're teaching fucking lessons at American music. Remember that? Yeah, I totally forgot about that place. Johnson Drive, baby. Yeah. That's right, man. Yeah, I li- I was a Montalvo kid and that was my spot, dude. I'd I'd go in there and I remember running into him, like, what are you doing here? You're like, Oh, I teach lessons. I'm like, you're fucking 17 dude or whatever how old or old you were you know you know what's funny about that is it was uh oh god damn who was it it was christian and i christian and keith from american music that happened to be having sushi 
in Camarillo next to a billiards place and Uphill Battle was playing a show. All right. And what was that billiards was place totally, called? I can't remember. I, I, played there a couple I don't, times. I don't remember, to be honest. But, Fuck, I don't even. Uh, you know, there, were, there was glass around the whole perimeter of the oh. building. So even if you weren't there to pay for the show, you could hear what was going on. You could, yeah, and you could watch it. the show through the window. <laughs> I, I think I, I had my back turned to that glass, and those guys from American Music were there, and they'd see these glass beats. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. They, you know, started talking to me like, hey, kid, you need a job? Like, you know, we need someone to work in the drum department and possibly maybe even do some teaching on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So it evolved into something slowly, but uh, that was a weird place, man. Sketchy. Oh, yeah, it was odd, man. That I mean, it was like, it was definitely like the, I don't know what to call it, white trash, but it was definitely like in an <laughs> industrial park. <laughs> And, you know, I can't remember what, what his name was Christian, right? The guy that had yeah, the, Chris, uh, Christian was a drummer. He ran the drum department. He he essentially managed the place. Keith co-owned it. Um, they had some kooky fucking workers there, man. I remember that. Oh yeah, do you remember the uh, one-legged Lebanese guy? <laughs> yeah, what was that guy's name? Oh, uh, his name was Danny. Danny, <laughs> yeah, he would try to sell you everything under the sun uh, when he went in there. Uh, it, you know. It's, to define a sleazy salesman, yeah, was the guy. And then you couldn't say no because the dude was fucking half crippled. He had arm braces. You know what I mean? It would look. And you're like, I can't. I, I'm I'm 16, dude. I can't afford this three thousand dollar combo. You know what I mean? like, it, it, but he would pitch that shit to you like it, you were a millionaire. You know what I mean? The, the guy would shred. I don't know if you've ever seen him play the piano, but it, it was, I never seen it. Him. It was gorgeous, like. This is coming out of this guy. This is amazing. He's yeah. a phenomenal musician, just kind of a fucking sleazy salesman. Yeah, definitely, man. <laughs> so what? Um, so I remember obviously remember seeing you guys destroy Babylon back in the day, and it was obviously we were all ripping off his heroes gone back then. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean, and all but, that shit without a doubt. Yeah, it's all his heroes gone and doom and drop and uh, discharge and all that mm-hmm. uh, drop dead and all that stuff. But um, yeah. when did you start playing drums, dude? I mean, because if you're you were seriously talented at fucking 15, so. Oh, sick. Thanks, man. Uh, I I mean, I guess I had been beating around on pots and pans, you know, at like five, six years old, you know, listening to like Motley Crue records and Led Zeppelin and like, I don't know, whatever I could find in that house. My, my, I grew up in a rock and roll family, so, you know, I'd sift through their vinyl collection and find things I liked, and I just got inspired and wanted to be a rock star, and um once I started, you know, tearing up my mom's Tupperware and everything, they thought, okay, maybe we'll get this kid a drum set. So I think around age eight, I got my first drum set. They wanted to test the waters and see if this lasted, and it did. You know, I think they made a, a wise investment, and um, the rest is history, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I just fell in love. <laughs> right, right, right. What was your first drum set? Do you remember? Mm-hmm. It was a Pearl Export. Ooh, wine wow. red and i picked that because that's what tommy lee played <laughs> not only was he endorsed by pearl but he specifically played a wine red kit and i'm like that's that one that's, so, yeah that's pretty cool that's pretty cool i mean i guess back then back then they didn't really have like kid drum sets did you know did they did they really they have like they did and you know what I, I i believe i think my parents did buy me some piece of shit before that that you know just yeah, I don't. Even, they're not even stockheads. They're just just garbage and just done. Right. Thud, that's thud, thud, thud. that's yeah. always the way to go. Buy them the cheap, shitty shit and see if they're really into it. You know. Right. So 
Because it could it could just be a phase. You never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Did you did you did you get lessons at that age or anything like that, or was it just like, here you go, beat the shit out of stuff, annoy uh, us? Yeah, they were they were just you know here it is, have fun. And um, for me, it was just kind of um, listening to records and just being really good with the ear and just trying to pick up what I heard. And I would just kind of mimic and imitate that. And then um, at some point, I think maybe I was 11 years old, I decided to take drum lessons with a guy named Rich Crawford. At, uh, do you remember a place called Hex Music? Oh yeah, I remember Hex. So I took lessons at Hex and I just wanted to learn different styles of music and really just kind of learn what it is, what the hell I'm doing, you know? Oh. I can do this and hear it and play it but like what is that what do you call that like how do you count that you know so hey i've been doing this for 25 fucking years and i still don't know what i'm doing <laughs> I, I literally have no fucking clue like yeah. i could barely yeah. tell you the key you know what i mean <laughs> so, so, you know yeah yeah started with that and then i uh took up lessons with al velasquez after that who's a very popular drum instructor mm -hmm. in the county area and uh I really owe it to that guy. Like that guy really taught me a lot of different styles of music and some things I ran with and some things I didn't, but he was always very supportive and just, um, yeah, man, I feel like if it weren't for him, I, I, don't know, I just right. wouldn't have certain things in the pocket. So. Right. Yeah. Right. What, did, did, did you ever have a moment when like you were kind of like, Oh shit, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're in a ton of fucking bands. You're a very sought after drummer. Like, did you have a moment when you were like, at, when you were young, you know what I mean? Where it was like, I want to figure this whole thing out, you know? Or was it when you got older that that, that, that kind of moment happened? I mean, I think as a kid, I, I knew that that was just a fantasy of mine. I mean, whether it be like, listening to you know metallica master of puppets and air guitaring with a baseball bat on my bed pretending that i'm in front of a crowd like i just wanted to feel that i wanted to like just fucking play you know um and then uh yeah it was just a lot of playing in the bedroom yeah. jamming with some local friends and then once i guess i was old enough to or allowed to go to concerts or shows right coming to Ventura and seeing some of the local bands play was my first experience. So seeing bands like Missing 23rd and Patient Zero and like whatever, you know, these guys who I'm now friends with and looking up to them and being like, I want to fucking do that, man. Like they're actually doing it. You know what I mean? I'm just yeah. like, I had no one to play with. I was in no bands, but I, you know, that yeah. was really inspiring me, you know, all these Ventura bands. Um, yeah. Well, because I know we used to skate together a little bit back in the day. Mm -hmm. You skated a lot, and I skated a oh, lot. Yeah. We'd kind of cross paths every once in a while. So, I mean, obviously, the skate culture was tied in with the punk culture and the metal culture and all that stuff. But, mm -hmm. you know, for me, that kind of, those two kind of helped build on each other, you know what I mean? Because you were finding out about cool bands during the, you know, skate video releases and shit like that, you know what I mean? And, oh, isn't that the truth? Oh, so many good yeah. soundtracks. I mean, a lot of good punk songs and – uh. Shit, I found out about Dead Can Dance in a, in a like a Plan B video. There was a lot of really good underground hip hop. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I, I would stay and wait for the credits to see like what the fuck was that? Hey, that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's how we would do it. You know what I mean? But then once you start getting, Ventura's always had such a special like music scene, dude. It's even mm -hmm. from the early '90s. I mean, obviously the narco scene, you know, and back then, but just... especially that not that '90s era shit was like dude, there's it was so going off so many... back then, you know. To me, it's just like there's so many hidden gems. There's just so many like 
classic shit that just didn't get the credit that it deserved. Yeah, like Crop Circle. Remember that? <laughs> Remember that fucking man? That man ruled, dude. Oh, yeah. Shitty oh, yeah. Steve. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Dude, yeah, the Crop Circle is like an insane technical grindcore band back okay. in, like, in Ventura, and you're like, you'd watch them, and you're all, I think I just got abducted by fucking aliens, dude. It was <laughs> wild shit. It was no, like Gore was, Guts before no. Gore Guts, you know? You took the words right out of my yeah, mouth. They were so <laughs> nice. And this was in the fucking 90s, dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there was just some wild shit going on about All this dissonant, weird, like, <laughs> yeah, just fucked up shit, You're man. Right. But I remember seeing them in barns, and, you know, there was always some wild shit going on back then, man. But, like, when did, uh, obviously, I remember we were in Destroy Babylon, and obviously music was serious to us back then, but was it Uphill Battle that, you know, when you guys got signed to Relapse, dude, you guys became the heroes of fucking Ventura County, essentially. You know what I mean? Because that was nuts. Like, that was uh, the unattainable fucking label for every one of us back then was relapsed. And you guys got signed, you and Graham, you know, of Annihilation Time, of all the fucking people in the world. Like, yeah, you know, like, that was wild. Yeah, I was always so proud of Graham's ambitions and, like, you know, endeavors and everything he did was always awesome. But, but yeah, um, as far as what... I was doing like relapse was always just a, a, a label that I, I looked up to in the, in the mid nineties, early two thousands. Um, and I never thought that we'd ever get signed by that label and really just, you know, being enough about it to me, it just felt like another band. Uh, it was more of what I wanted to do. And I feel like working with Adi, he made me a better musician. You know, he, he wrote the majority of that stuff and what he was dishing out was just insane. So it really inspired me to like, go ape shit and um and we just worked really hard and we ended up getting signed i don't know how it happened with with some of some of my favorite bands on that roster at the time i mean you know they they had neurosis and nausea mastodon nile dillinger escape plan and fucking you know disrupt incantation macabre i mean the list goes on it's like you know pure metal to experimental to hardcore to prog rock indie like they just kind of encompassed it all um yeah. I've, so i've always just respected that label so did you guys like did you guys do like a like play a showcase or how did you guys get on their radar did someone find out about you guys and kind of like hit you up yeah i'm trying to think how that happened okay so, so we recorded our demo tape we did a seven inch with dan weiss at the I forget which pickle patch it was. It, it had to. I had that seven like, inch. Did you guys put it out, right? Yeah, it was a split with a band called yep. Quest or Quintana Roo. It was I just had that shit, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it, and it was uh, it was totally like analog, which was rad. Mm-hmm. You know, we like did that shit to tape, and I was all. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we did that, and then we. I think his name was Nick. I don't know. Audie had some connections with like Stratego and some other musicians he had played with and uh we just decided to record all the material that we had at the time and then we would pick three of our best songs make a list of labels put a bio together and just send it out and i don't think we expected to hear anything and sure sure so um yeah really there was no legitimate showcase um we just signed and then uh we booked our first tour like 2002, we went on tour with a band called Fall Silent from Reno, Nevada. I don't know if you remember that band. They're kind of never heard them. Kind of a breakdown hardcore band. They're really into skating. Okay. 
not bad, man. And that was really it. So, I mean, I guess I would assume the show that we played in Philly on that tour to be our showcase because that was okay, the yeah, yeah. So basically, you guys, you guys sent out a demo. You guys sent out a demo and fucking. No. How many demos? How many demos do you think you sent out like in that time? Like, obviously, Relapse signed you. How many? You know like, what I mean. Ten to fifteen labels, maybe. Yeah. You know? Audie's a pretty it, big it, go getter, dude. I remember him. He was he. Audie was more organized than almost any of us. Period. Audie, you know yeah. I mean? He's uh, like Audie, a fifty-year-old man at like twenty years old. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was. He was always he. He played that role as dad in the band. Oh, hundred sure. percent. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think you know we sent demos out to maybe ten to fifteen labels. Relapse being like the top like oh, it's probably not gonna happen and then more like indie like you know yeah, like something that heavy, was really whatever like punk label right i mean like hardcore yeah, yeah um, that's a trip dude i mean it was so we were all just so fucking excited for you guys when it happened i mean and then i remember like you guys would play shows at cafe on a with us you know what i mean like remember that little cafe on a street in oxford yeah. you know what i mean and oh yeah like, uh, you know i mean just like dude they're signed to relapse and, they're, and I'm like, yeah, but it's still those guys. You know what I mean? It's still yeah. him. It's not like, fucking. Ah, I know these dudes. You know I mean? These guys will fucking play. You know what I mean? It's not a big deal, you know? Um, but it was just so cool to see you guys be able to blossom into that shit. Obviously, those connections started working for you, right? I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we would have played a birthday party, man. I remember the livery? Mm-hmm. That was, you know. Livery. livery was sick. The living room was a big deal back then. I remember that, you know. There was a the fucking Wrath played the last show at Delivery, and Craig was wearing a banana suit. That's right. <laughs> yeah, a banana yep. suit, and, and we smoked, I smoked out, a joint on stage. Out, no, they all walked out smoking blunts because yeah. it was like it's the last show here. What are you gonna do? What are we gonna do? Get banned from the fucking Livery? Right. Yeah, I was high as shit in a banana suit. Yeah, good times, man. I don't know. It's it wild. Really weird, man. Yeah, that was kind of like the beginning to. Uh, not lucrative career, but just like, I don't just a good, good time, you know? Well, I mean, it's, you know. Lucrative and life things, you know, money, it cannot be necessarily just money. You know what I mean? Like, I believe like people like us, we get paid lucratively in our lifestyle. You know what I mean? Like it allows us to do things and live a certain way and not have to adhere to certain society. It's just, you know, be, being able to have a trip funded or be able to go out and yeah. play and meet people and make friends and just meet other bands and you know it's it's an experience you know? well it's it's, not it's, every- it's it's funny because you start you start touring you kill yourself you fucking borrow money from your parents and you promise you're going to pay them back and then you fucking come on with nothing and then all of a sudden the tours are starting yeah. to pay for themselves a little bit and you're not all eating right. too much shit and then all of a sudden you know, you're like, hey, fuck, we can get a hotel. This is nice. You know what I mean? And then eventually you two have tasted the real world, you know, where you actually get to fucking get, make money from it. So it's, like, it's we're like, six. yeah, we're classy. Motel six. Yeah. That's right, man. Fuck yeah. It's the, hey. it's the, it's the, it's the salt and pepper beards. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what fucking makes it happen. That's right. <laughs> and trust me, in quarantine and coronavirus times, and now that I have like a real job, I miss shows so much. <laughs> yeah, such a bummer. Yeah. I miss my life so much. Yeah, I was saying that. I, I mean, I, I would at this point. There's obviously I'm not comfortable coming into it, going to a show or anything. But I would love to see some piece of shit show at the at the garage or 
you know what I mean, any shitty bar right now, you know what I mean, without it being But I think about that, at, at, you know, the time, at the time where you have everything at your fingertips and you have so yeah. many options, it's kind of like shrug things. No. You're like, oh, yeah. you know, I, I, I would go see that. You know, I'd do anything. Right. <laughs> I'd yeah. go see a fucking cover band right now in a bar, you know what I mean, just to go see something. They're not cover bands, they're tribute bands. That's just right, tribute. The fucking difference. Yeah, Um. I wanted to ask, has there ever been a project where you were absolutely like, I'm going to do it, but mm, no, I don't like this. Not that I'm asking you to say who they are. I'm not not asking you to out it, but I mean, has there been times where you've been asked to do shit and you did it and you're all, it's not really my thing, man. No, to be honest, I don't think so. Typically, it's always been sort of up my alley. And there's, you know, there's some gigs where I'm just super supportive of it and it's something that I respect and I'll do it for free. And there's some things where it's like, yeah, totally. I dig this, but like, pay me, you know, like, yeah. like it's a paid session gig. It's a job. Um, but I've always been pretty easy about that. I don't think, you know, like I'm, yeah. not, I'm an asshole about it. Like, dude, oh, bro, I want $500 a song. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like if you, if you get that point, especially with the type of music that you're dealing with and all that, you know what I mean? Like the mindset just starts to get way different. And you're like, you know, yeah, you know, jump the shark, you know. You know, you know, if you want to fly me out, cool, and pay for the studio time. You know, I, I'm working a lot at home, working on music, but like, you know, yeah. just just cover the costs to get yeah. there. You know, just like some for the costs, feed me, yeah. put me yeah. up. Yeah, sure, of course. They yeah. literally they feed me. You know. Yeah, yeah. Help. Here you go. <laughs> hey, hey, hit hit that drum fill. Here's some fucking chicken for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I can't think of anything that I absolutely was like fuck that. Um, Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the industry we're in, we don't usually. I just said it because I wanted to know if there's ever a time where you had it. But I, you know, generally the music that we play, it's it's out of love, it's out of passion. Even that, like, and I forgive me for forgetting this guy's name, but the Fulmenko guitar dude that you're jamming with oh ben ben woods yeah jesus christ man Harley. oh my god never in my life have i fucking you know what i mean like and to even play with that stuff is obviously it's awesome you know what i mean but super technically challenging yeah yeah funny thing i yeah i met him watching those videos you're like holy shit dude that's so far above my pay scale like as far as playing goes yes all right he's He's on to something for sure. I, I met him when I was still living in Long Beach, and he actually used to jam and play shows with Al Velasquez, my old uh, oh. instructor. And uh, he also used to play with Sean Reinert, rest in peace, who used to drum for Death and Cynic. Right. Uh, he recently yeah. passed away. Uh, buddy. But they uh, they did a record together entitled Flametal. Flamenco. Mm-hmm. Metal. Yeah. Yeah. Cheeky. Yeah. It's like two things that should never go together, essentially. No, not at all. You're like, what the fuck is this? But it somehow works. Yeah. Um, So that was kind of like an extension of that. And I've always been a fan of his playing. So I'm like, right on, man, send me some stuff. And uh, we recorded with John Haddad out in Corona, who's a recording engineer that I've worked with forever. He used to drum for Phobia and Shiva. Mm -hmm. A band called Dead America. I don't even remember them. They played the living room a few times. They were kind of like if they were kind of like if Dystopia and Phobia had a. uh, Okay. They they were kind of like groovy and funky, but they had blast beats. All right. 
have like a graffiti thug vibe about that. Yeah, yeah. Graffiti thug. That's like a <laughs> I mean I mean that was that was graffiti crust, you know. That was like, that was like dystopia, you know? Yeah, for sure. Graffiti crust. That's what I'd call it. Yeah, for sure, man. Graffiti for us. Okay. Yeah. There you go. There yeah, you go. Dude, but anyway, I watch I watch a couple of those videos. I'm like, oh my god, this is. I just quit. I quit. I'd be done. I quit. <laughs> when uh, when was the first time you got hit up by like by like someone being like, hey, fucking play. You're you're not in our band, but play these fucking songs for us. Or when was it like? When did you start getting sought after? Like, uh, uh, exhumed. exhumed. Uh, and how that happened was. Uphill Battle and Exhume were label mates on Relapse. Mm -hmm. um, and Exhumed had just released an album called Anatomy is Destiny. And Colt Jones, their original drummer, who had been there since the very beginning, had a serious career. Uh, he was like a molecular biologist and he would research cures in cancer. Like the guy had a serious career. Death metal and grindcore was his passion, but you can only go so far with that. So, you know, relapse is scrambling and looking for drummers to fill in these gaps for the tours that are already booked. And they're like, well, this guy in Uphill Battle, like maybe he's interested. And I was already a fan of Exhume. I love that right. cool, you know, Exodus meets Carcass. And I'm like, yeah, man. So he put me in touch with those guys and they sent me a set list. I worked on it at home. I took a Greyhound out to fucking San Jose and I rehearsed with those guys for two days and boom, we were on tour. Like <laughs> this, yeah. like, that was kind of the beginning of session work. Right, 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 right. How long, how long did you play in Exhumed for? Uh, a good period of 2003. Okay. Like we, we, fuck dude, yeah, we toured the States, Europe, Japan, Australia. <clears throat> so for that year, they supported that album. And then, uh, you know, things were starting to, pick up with Uphill Battle and I think they kind of felt a little left out. They're like, well, that's kind of cool that you're like doing some things with our label mates and they're, you know, more successful in traveling and doing these things that we aren't, but like, Hey, we're still here. And I'm like, I realize that, and, you know, yeah. my heart's in Uphill Battle. So Exhum needed to continue on. So they had some other drummers after that. And I focused again with Uphill Battle, um, you know, cause that's where the heart was at. Yeah. It, when you when you were with Exhumed, was there any times that like a promoter got like way crazy on like the chainsaw coming out? Or anything <laughs> like that? Were they doing that? Were they doing the chainsaw at that at that time still, or had that yeah, happened? Yeah, I think, so. I think it was really an issue because there was no like blade on it. It was no, just yeah, 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 no, yeah. yeah. Well, you, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But like, I would be more concerned about the vomit and the blood. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. See the see the yeah the vomit. <laughs> The yes. vomit would bum me out as a promoter, you know what I mean? Right, right. So, so Bud, <laughs> Bud, the bass player they had in the band before I joined, was the guy that, would, you know, he set up a tarp, and he yeah. could just vomit on command. Dude, you know? you'd puke on that. command. It was brutal, man. And, and Cole, the original yeah. drummer, would breathe fire. He'd stand mm -hmm. up on his drum stool and, you know, put his sticks in the way that it would make a pentagram, and then he would like, right. yeah. fire. And yeah. then, you know, I remember they having... That at the living room. Yeah, I have. He fucking blew fire into the ceiling at the living room and then puked all over the fucking stage. I was like, this might be the best band I've ever seen. You know yeah, that, I mean? yeah that, that was one of the first relapse contamination tours. That was right. Yeah. You guys, Uphill Battle, Exude. No, 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 no. no. We oh, didn't Uphill play. Battle didn't play that one? No, no, no. It was uh, 
It was Origin. Oh, exhumed. yeah, that's Origin. right. Yeah, Origin exhumed. Cephalic Carnage. Uh, Cephalic Carnage and Benum was on the tour, but they didn't make that show. That's right. Yeah, Cephalic Carnage was nuts too. Origin was nuts. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, like, but yeah, I remember at like one point Exhumed, they flipped their guitars upside down. It says gore fucking metal. The <laughs> drummer's like, like eating blood out of a severed head, and the bass player's puking on the stage like as he's playing. I'm like. I gotta go outside. I'm fucking done, dude. Right? Yeah. I'm I mean, out. <laughs> like, yeah. The, those, those, those those dudes have always just been about like fun theatrics, just paying homage to like the old school and just like making it entertaining. You know? Like, oh, it's entertaining. They they, yeah. they know it's it's silly, but it's fun. You know? Yeah. Exactly. You yeah. always remember the fucking chainsaw. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Remember? I mean, especially somebody puking. You know? Fucking. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, think I, remember, time... I remember like him laying the plastic on the floor with duct tape, and was it John Lyons, right, uh, the guy that was the sound dude? At John the... Lyons. Yep. John Lyons. He's yeah. looking at the stage, and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you can see his face like, why is he putting that on the floor? You know what I mean? And then as soon as it started, he's like, fuck. You could see him just like rolling his eyes and like all bummed out, you know? It's like, oh, Here man. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, yeah always, wild, always man. such fun, man. Yeah, yeah, it's good shit. Good times, indeed. Well, anyway, obviously, you know, uh, recently uh, you've moved back into the area, left LA, all that stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, uh, yeah. works dropped. You intronaut, long career doing that shit. I mean, yeah, thirteen um, years. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the a, longest you know commitment I've had with any band. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Because yeah. I remember when you moved to LA, I was like, that makes sense. You know that totally makes sense. You're, you should, he should definitely be in LA doing shit. Maybe yeah, it just it just started. made sense. You know, I I made the trips for a while. It was worth it for me. And then I just like, yeah, I need to, I need think I need to get out here. I I lived in various places in LA for a while, and then just it was good to be close to those dudes. But I honestly I hated living in LA. Yeah, I, I bet. Man. Well, yeah. it's just it you know it, LA is everything that people say it is. You know, and, and that's good and bad. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it has so much room for absolute bullshit like rock star weird behavior and then it has so much room for authentically fucking rad like stuff at the same time you know but i remember like seeing sasha and anubis rising back in the day you know right he was that was him right yeah well i mean that was kind of like our connection yeah yeah yeah, we well we did we did a split together anubis rising and uphill battle did a split right that's what it is uh, when i when i come out to la to you know in the punk scene and i go to all these DIY shows, you know, I'd go to like the smell and the PCH, you know, I, I met a lot of those guys and we kept in contact and we did the split together and we always talked about starting a band, Sasha and I, and then it just, one day it just happened, you know, it just happened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause I remember hearing, I was like, Oh, they started a new band. I was like, Oh, cool. It's, I'm sure it's going to be fucking <laughs> cool, dude. And then 12, you know, 12, what did you say? 13 years or something you guys were together. Yeah. Yeah. And doing that band was kind of like, it was a new beginning. It was really a step mm. down. Cause I'd already like, been playing with a lot of successful bands and doing a lot of traveling and this was something new it was like starting from the ground up and like and i guess what we had is like people on the band that were known for previous projects and stuff mm-hmm. like that but, but this music like this was new um and that didn't bother me at all you know we think our first tours are you you know mouth of the architect oh yeah 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 our first tours with them we toured a lot of bands and like those tours are rough i mean shit even our our First time two hundred the Macedon, you know, we were making like a hundred bucks a night, but those shows were so packed that we'd make up, 
you may get in merch in merch yeah. you know what i mean it was worth it i mean i i would have i would have done that two or three it's just like oh 100 playing yeah. for a big crowd and funny that uphill battle toured with mass on back in 03 right when when those guys were still parked out sleeping in their van with no they were doing the life's blood et back then right yeah remission had just come out when, i remember seeing him when remission just came out and i thought this band is going to be massive there's no fucking we way. There's no they won't. And there's nothing, nothing that was going to stop that band. And nothing was handed to them. They earned it. They worked their asses off. And, you know, people want to hate on their new. I love all oh, their. I love everything. I love the old school stuff for that period. And I love their kind of more radio friendly, more rock stuff. I like have it. you heard the new track they just released like a couple days ago? I have not clicked on it yet. I've seen it. Dude, and it's it. straight like remission style fucking Mastodon. <laughs> But a little bit in the new stuff, but it is, is that, gnarly, dude. It's a fucking that, gnarly track. Is that what COVID does to you? I, I guess. I don't know, man. Yeah. It brings out the anger in everybody. Yeah. Brings you back <laughs> to, to brings you back to your roots. I guess, man. We're all getting back to our roots right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. So, uh, I, I saw that you played in uh I saw that you played in Bastard Noise. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh I did an interview with Eric Wood on KSSR like seven years ago eight years ago uh it was when he was with that in that major fight with the akron family did you ever see oh god i vaguely remember that yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. what was it like being in a band with eric wood because (laughs) i interviewed him and uh he's a very very sweet nice guy but he's also a complete psychopath he's a lot and like i appreciate those types of people yeah i what I, i could only imagine what it's like being in a band with someone like that's like how, what's it like being a band with someone that, that that's that driven and like has such a focus on what they want, you know? Yeah, so you sometimes like- that kind of shit makes an artist. I don't know. Uh, it, was, it was really wild and exciting and just that guy is just driven and uh, yeah. insane. I don't even remember how the fuck we met. I mean, it had to have been a show and, you know, growing up on hardcore and punk, you know, I was a huge man as a bastard fan. Obviously. Yeah, you know, they were so brutal, but they were so jazzy and progressive. Like I, that really resonated with me. And um, you know, Bastard Noise was just the noise of that band. They didn't have instrumentation. And Eric Wood had expressed, "Hey, I want to do something under the name Bastard Noise, but for the first time in years, I want to pick up the bass. I want drums and bass." I'm like, "Dude, fuck, I'm in. Let's do this." Like, yeah, yeah. Sick. So we did that split with a, a band called the Endless Blockade. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I have that. I love that band. Rule. Yeah. That young Scotland. Yeah, that was it. We, we you know we recorded that. We did a handful of regional shows. I think we played the Bay Area, some Los Angeles shows, and then we went to Japan for a while because they just love that shit out there. They love art. Oh, dude. Yeah. You, know, you could just that like, dude's made like a career off of like basically Japanese fan base essentially over there, right? Totally. Yeah, they love it. So I was like. <laughs> Really fun, and I've been to Japan with some other bands and played some like big venues. But some of these were just like art spaces in the middle of nowhere and villages. It was like fucking what? What Japanese bands did you play with that you were like, holy fuck? Because you had to have played with a ton of Japanese bands that you were like, holy fuck! I can't believe this is actually fucking happening. God damn it! Who? Uh, he's a very popular dude in the noise scene, and actually, Merzabal. Merzabal. He yeah. played Merzabal. We played with um, an all-female Japanese hardcore band, uh, Mind Evasion. Okay. okay with, yep, yep, Mind Evasion. Yep, I remember that. Uh, we played with a band called Slight Slappers. 
Rep slice lovers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Love slice lovers. Uh, we play we played with Unholy Grave and of course we played with Corrupted. Nice. Nice. So it's a good mix of just Yeah. From punk hardcore to just doom. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah, you got your Church of Misery, your Boris, your fucking all the, you know, those guys, they eat that shit up, dude. There was a band from uh, Japan called 324 or something like that? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> they were so brutal, man. Every time a Japanese band comes out, you're like, hold on, hold Japan, on. This Japan shit can get Sweden. weird, dude. Japan and Sweden. Yeah, they're always handling like, it. Like, oh, where, oh, where's this kick-ass hardcore fucking band from? Oh, Japan. Oh, yeah, where's this perfect. kick-ass band from? Oh, fucking Sweden. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a wild deal man so obviously in all this like music and stuff you we've in the corona we've all obviously slowed down um not doing shit so you're i know you we were talking a little bit before this you're recording you're working on projects basically digitally and you know through stuff like that but i would like to get into you know obviously intronaut ended there's a lot of things swirling around about it um, really? yeah. You know, there was a uh, an accusation that was made a few years ago, a couple right. years ago at this point now, right? Yeah, it's been, it's been well over two years. Right. And yeah. Not that yeah. I want to drag out the past or anything, and yeah, I'm more yeah. interested in how you've rebuilt since then, but um, sure. I would love if you want to explain it, your side, kind of tell us what happened, you know what I mean, with yeah. that kind of stuff. Oh, God, where do I start? Yeah, the, you know, there's so much new stuff that's happened that I, and I'll get into Ozorn and, and a lot of stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Basically, yeah, man. Uh, you know, the last thing I did with Intronaut was the Direction of Last Things record, and we toured pretty heavily on it. Um, and I think we were just mentally exhausted. We were physically exhausted. Uh, and uh, when we came home, we thought, okay, business as usual. We're done with the cycle of this record. Let's start writing the next one. I mean, there's mm. never been a break. You know, when you're assigned to a record label that, you know, has an itinerary and dates laid out that you need to have something done by, the pressure was always on. Mm -hmm. so, well, and when you're in a band like that, you, there is a real touring cycle. There's a real, you're like you said, there is a real schedule that you guys kind of have oh, to and they, and I mean, your cycle, right, essentially. I mean, right? yeah, I mean, they hire people to make this work. I mean, you know, it's right. like you have to have an album done before the summer, you need to hit all the major festivals. You need to do, you know, you mm -hmm. need to be available. Like this is a machine at this point. It's, it's you know? totally a machine, man. Yeah. So we never yeah, had, you know, on an album cycle, your right. album cycle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Poop out a record, tour on it, come home, do another mm -hmm. record. Yeah. And it's like a continuous. So we were just burnt out, and I think um, we really needed a break. And when it came time to start writing new material, which was prepping for the album that they just release uh -huh. um the fire wasn't there and i think a lot of us were guilty of just kind of flaking out on on practice you know uh -huh. um and i know uh you know sasha wasn't dealing with that too well i mean he's the guy that you know you know audi was dad sasha's dad and, and yeah, yeah. he brings the music to the table and we kind of tear it apart and, and go from there so he wanted to get the ball rolling and like I said, I was guilty of flagging out. Others were as well. Um, he had a blooming guitar business. You know, Dunable Guitars was just starting. Oh, so the process of moving into a new place. So there was just a lot of frustration and pressure, I think. And he almost quit the band. He said, I'm done. You guys can continue without me. And, I, and I, we're like, well, how's that's that going to work? Possible? Like, yeah. We're just going to move on without you. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. 
Yeah, good story. Right. So um, we all agreed to have a meeting and we talked about it and we convinced him to stay and just take a year off. I mean, I can talk about this because I know he's talked about it in interviews and it's all good. Like I'm in touch with these guys. We're friends. We're cool. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't hang out, but we're in communication Yeah. on good terms. But uh, yeah, you know, he was just, he was done. So we took a year off. Um, you know, I was living my life in Long Beach, bartending, playing with other bands, playing with Blind John Pope, a blues rock band. Uh, you know, I lived with one of the members. It was just convenient and a lot of fun. And then I was, at the time, jamming with the band Teeth and prepping to do a European tour with Cephalic Carnage. Um, so while I was studying internet material, I was still doing other things and, you know, just life, things at home drama, relationships, stuff like that. And then, you know, of course, all that shit surfaced. Yeah, yeah. And I know there's a lot of confusion on it, but basically these these allegations were just the result of a super, just bad, toxic relationship. And it was put out there basically out of spite and anger, bottom line. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I have no history of abuse or violence. Uh, I was never arrested, charged, or convicted of anything approximating domestic abuse. Like, you know, it, it was just a bad breakup and right. it was just done to be, to be vindictive, you know, and, right. and very successful at it. Um, the girl that uh, put this out on the internet wasn't even my ex-girlfriend. It was a friend of hers, someone I knew, an acquaintance of mine in the scene. And I guess like the whole abuse thing or the idea of it resonated with her and she decided to just felt it was her civic duty to just put me on blast. And that's what she did. So she uh, tagged me in this post and said that I attacked my girlfriend. She tagged all the bands or most of the bands that I play in. She tagged all the drum companies that I endorse. It was like really fucked up, really dark and just insane. You know what I mean? Like, um, and, you know, of course that shit spread like wildfire, you know, right. social media crap. And like, I just feel like the court of public opinion is so easily swayed these days. Oh you know? yeah. It's well, like, you're innocent. You, you're guilty and prove until proven innocent right you know, now. That's and, how it's and, working. You know, <laughs> you're you're, you're going to get condemned on the spot. And of course there were people that popped up out of the woodworks with like irrelevant grudges that just kind of, you know, you know, had something to say and, stay their peace, things that have nothing to do with domestic abuse or even that relationship. So it's just like really crazy to see and observe online. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just, it was just a really dark and depressing time. Like, yeah, yeah. How, how did you, how did you handle at the time, like having these allegations brought against you and you claim them to be false? You know what I mean? Like right. I have a reason to not believe you in that thing. Sure. But- how do you handle those allegations? Because I mean, allegations like that are serious, and especially in this day and age. Oh yeah, especially a couple of years ago. I mean, well, well, in this day and age, when you know, like, it's hard for people to come forward. You know what I mean? And like, it looks bad when you just shame the person that did it, even if like the allegations are wrong. You know what I mean? Like, right. how did you do? Like, I don't, I don't really know. I didn't see anything. I don't really know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, you know, and you know, everyone needs to be reminded, you know, this this was at the cusp of the whole Me Too movement and cancel uh culture. I mean, I saw spawn from the 
Harvey Weinstein kind of thing, you know, which mm-hmm. was like serious shit. You're fucking Bill and, Cosby, and, and, you, know, or, you know what I mean? And, All these guys. And, and I'll just say this, you know, I 100% back Me Too movement. I do, but I, I think with something genuine and positive, people can abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, they could really take things out of context and they could blow things out of proportion and, and, and abuse it. But um, your question was, how did I deal with it? At the time, I really didn't know what to do. Um, I was told by people in the industry, including my band, to not say a fucking thing, just shut your mouth, you know? Yeah. Right. People talk. <clears throat> I over. But, you know, I would just read online and I could only take so much like slander to where right. I just felt that maybe it would do us good, excuse me, do me good to make a statement. Right. And I made some sort of half assed statement at the time, kind of defending myself. And I think when I did that, I put Intronaut in a really like just kind of an awkward, you know position right. where they're right. forced to kind of make a decision and it's like you have to understand that four people in this band three other people this is our career it's a business mm-hmm. um you know we could defend this guy but i mean there's a lot involved with that i mean you have to battle against negative press boycotting any mm-hmm. any kind of shit that happens and, um, well, it's a it, giant snowball at this point. Right. Is it, is, it, is it really worth it at the end of the day? And that's the question that most people have. It's like, well, he must have done it in this band of 13 years. Like, cut him like that. I mean, they must know something we don't. And it's like, well, it's not really that. Like, like I said, I felt like for a while, just having a history of drama, relationship drama, things that kind of like bled into the progress of our band and maybe hindered some things. Um, maybe having a work ethic that might've been in decline at the time was just kind of things that burned out, man. you know what I mean? It was just kind of a thing. And then to have like an allegation come out like that in the public, I feel was just kind of like a nail in the coffin. Right. It wasn't like, well, we know he did it. Fuck this guy. Boom. Canceled. It was just like, what do you do? And I think a lot of people would have done that, you know, whether you're a band or a podcast or a record label or, or a fucking know, business. Yeah. On online publication. And you know, the right. publications love this, you know, you, I'm not going to name names. We all know the popular publications that, you know, put out. Well, the they saw the headline and fucking ran with it. Right. Right. And, and, and I found out about it all. I literally like an asshole. <laughs> it was so stoked to hang out with you one day. We're going to a show and I'm like, dude, what the fuck? What happened? What's up with internet? I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And and you're like, are you are you fucking with me, dude? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a dad. I fucking I'm busy. You know what I mean? I got shit going on. I don't read the right. internet all day. Yeah, right. I don't and, and you kind of broke it down on them all. Oh fuck. Yeah. You know what I'm I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah, that, that, like that a ton it, of bricks. You know? I was like, yeah, that really happened. You know? Fuck. Nobody. Uh, Nobody prepares you for this kind of shit. I don't know. No, man. I didn't know how to deal with it. I just did what I thought I needed to do. And right. Ties were cut. And, you know, sure, there was speculation. And but, but once a band cuts you, then it somehow comes a little bit like legit. But well, I could see I could see the reaction like, OK, the band cut him. Obviously, they tour with the guy. They must see him be a piece of shit all day long. You know what I mean? And and when, when anyone that's been in a band, especially a band like 
your level, especially a band that's, you know, a, has a machine behind you like that, like, yeah, it's straight damage control probably most of the right. you know time. I mean? And just, I know you, dude. I've known you since we were 15 fucking years old. Yeah. You do date kind of crazy chicks. Know. You know what I mean? And you, you got know, a little hey, history of it. But yeah. it's hard you, for me. It's kind of hard for me to imagine. You know what I mean? The out, the you accusations. Know, you know, and I'm, we've all dated a chick that, you know what I mean? You're like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? And you've regretted it. I still regret some some people that you yeah, know, absolutely and you know and, I'm, and you get caught in a bad fucking moment, man, and, it, and that's it forever. Right, you and, you know, and, and, you know, and, and I, I tell you what, man, you know, I, I'm far from perfect. You know, I know I got a reputation. I know I've been a, a piece of shit. I I know I've been in bad relationships and been shitty in relationships, and you know, it's really nobody's business. Right. That, yeah. but that is not that. That's. That doesn't can, not, that doesn't constitute abuse. You be abuse. abuse. Right. It's not abuse. And I think the people that came out of the woodworks with irrelevant things to say were just like, yeah, fuck that guy. They already had a reason to like, you know, oh, have an opinion. Way, and and you, know. you know, you just get a lot of these keyboard warriors, these little cowards that you know hide behind the you know Chad four twenty fucking Peter two thousand whatever. You know, these people that want to hide and talk shit. It's like, well send me a personal message. You want to talk about something like, yeah. you want to hear my side? And that, that's the thing, you know, I right. think everything is, tends to be so black and white and nobody wants to admit that there's gray area at all. Oh my God. The world is, is gray. There always is. And there's two sides to every story. Yeah. And, um, you know, I feel like at this point, a lot of people have already made their decision. You either believe me or you don't. And that's okay. You know, right. Don't shit on me for it. You know, well, and then, and so, like, obviously, the allegations come out. You fucking, you basically lay low for a while. You're, uh, what, it's a couple years at this point, right, now that you, uh, or a year solid well, let's at least. like. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know. Let's see, I, I just, like, even after some chaos in that particular relationship, which is, like, was, like, February of 2018, we were still good after a lot of shit. You know, I went on tour of Phobia, Incantation, and Exhumed. Right. We were good. People saw that we were good. I went to Europe for a month at Cephala Carnage. We were good. I came home. We both decided this wasn't going to work out. We cut it. And then uh, this didn't really serve us until I started dating a girl that I was with before her. And, and that's kind of where the anger stemmed from. It was like suddenly, right. boom, fuck this guy. Um, and that was May. So yeah, it's, it's been it's been two years, dude. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that, and that's that's really what I want to focus on, you know, because the allegation is the allegation, and and there is a big thing that's happening right now where people are being called out for something they did. You know, there's comedians right now that are fucking tanking right now because of shit they did twenty yeah. years ago. You know, the whole Chris Delia thing. I mean, Chris Delia, uh, Brian yeah. Callen just got called out like three or four days ago. Yeah, there's, like there's literally one. soliciting a blowjob 20 fucking years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and um, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, not only just, you know, and Johnny Depp went through some shit. Right, he's, yeah. he, he's, he's, now suing, yeah. he's now suing, you know, his ex-wife mm -hmm. or whatever. You know? Well, so like what I'm interested in is like how obviously all this is done. It's blown over for the most part. And I don't, not one part of me wants to bring it back for you. But sure. I, I'm more interested in like how have you been able to rebuild your name and rebuild your credits and restart these bands? You know what I mean? Is it just by well, I really have authentically I mean, you. You know what I mean? I mean, there's always there's always a little backlash. Like I'm always gonna have 
connections and followers on social media and people that, you know, God, I got so many personal messages from fans and, you know, fellow musicians when I was going through this shit and people that really wanted to talk about some things and, you know, and I lost a lot of friends and a lot of people I thought I was cool with that just gave me the cold shoulder. I mean, everyone's so about their own image and like how they're perceived if you support someone that has an allegation or whatever. And it's just, it's kind of, it's a really sad, depressing thing. Um, um, right. And I, I, I don't know, like, I guess, you know, a lot of musicians reached out to me at the time that knew I might not be doing much. And they're like, fucking believe that shit. Like, Hey, I got some tracks. You like this? You want to do some stuff? So a lot of session work, uh, surfaced, uh, tour opportunities, uh, you know, before, of course, the whole pandemic thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the, the first kind of local thing that became legit was Ozorn. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, they're Long Beach-based bands. And I knew a little bit about them, but not too much. Kind of weird living in Long Beach for almost eight years. I didn't even know. Didn't even know the Bills? Right. But uh, when I, I was working at a bar called Fern's Cocktails out there, and they played, and they just blew me away and, like, they were so loud, bottles were like falling off the shelf and just breaking. It was yeah. Heavy. Anyways, yeah. Flash forward, I moved back to Ventura. I guess they had a presence in Ventura. They played the Red Cove, they played the garage, and mm-hmm. I ran into those guys on one of my garage shifts. And they were in the process of maybe parting ways with their previous drummer, and they were looking for someone. And like, hey, you want to get together and help us work on this this new album? So right. we started working on uh, what became your killer and. Mm-hmm. Which is great. I mean, we've played some shows together. Yeah. Fucking shit's great, you know. But I'm just so excited that you've at least been able to, you know, because there has to be an avenue to come back from this kind of shit. You know what I mean? And that's yeah, that's it's really what I'm interested rough. in is, like, how do you come back, whether it's true, whether it's false, whether there's some gray area in between both the stories. There, You know what I mean? Obviously, unless you're a fucking child molester or something, you know, some wild, real crazy shit, like, Right. You know, there ha- for these types of things, there has to be an avenue to come back. I don't, I, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, it, I really just, don't just know. Just time, I, I guess, you know. You know, and I, I did an interview recently with a buddy of mine, and we did it almost two months ago. And I, he's been wanting to release it for a while, and I put it on a hold because I was just kind of unsure of, God, do I really want to talk about this? Do I, you know, fuck, you know, like, I don't want to open up a, a, a can of worms and make this a thing again, but. At the same time, you kind of stay silent and sit on it, and it's more of a reason to kind of think maybe you're guilty. So I don't really know how to do this. Right. But I do know that when it comes to social media and people that follow me, they, they're all supportive of all the new music I'm doing. However, an article comes out about you on a major publication that the whole world can see, you're then exposed to people that may not support you. So then there's, you know, some tension and shit. Uh, the publication Sick Drummer Magazine has always supported me and they've put out some stuff and it's mostly really positive stuff. And then you get the, you know, great to see this publication supports abusers or whatever. There's just always these yeah. internet warriors, these clowns that pop out of the woodworks and just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you had any interaction with the person that leveled the allegations against you like at any time or? Did you were you able to talk with them about it? You know what I mean? Like No, no. Well, like I said, the girl that put it out there was not my ex-girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, it was that next morning that it came out on the internet and I shot her a text message and I was just kind of like, really? Like, what's up, dude? Like, 
why, like, can we talk? And she just kind of like, you know, laughed with an emoji and then just blocked me. I never talked to her again. And she, you know, moved out of town or whatever. It's like, at least talk about it. Like, if you're an acquaintance or a friend and you have some suspicions or like you're curious, be like, hey, I hear these things. So-and-so said this. I hope they're not true. Right. Let's talk. What happened? Right. There was never any of that. It was just like, I saw this. They said that. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Done. You yeah. know, like, no. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just not the way you should go about things. You know, there's a reason why we have a court system. Yeah. And I well, mean, obviously, just, nothing has been founded. You haven't been charged with anything. No. You know what I mean? Like, right. and it's hard living in this day in life with, like, the internet where people can just write anything and you either have to defend yourself or you have to not defend yourself because it looks even worse. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's just fucking, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a hard fucking thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I'm just kind of at the point where like, I'll talk about it. Like I don't want to make ever make it like the main thing, but it's like, definitely not. I'm comfortable enough to where, you know, I can say, I mean, there's no way to really like prove it. I can't bring people and be like, yeah, okay. It's just, it's my word, her word, you know, yeah. but like I said, you know, no arrests, no charge, no convictions, no history of that shit. Like, I mean, what definitely, you, man. You right. right. Yeah. It's just, it's to get caught up in that whirlwind like that is fucking nuts. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, especially every, the best thing about the internet is everyone has a voice. The worst thing about the internet, everyone has a fucking voice. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's, yeah. they're both so it's good and bad at the same time, but what I'm seeing now is that, you know, people that are being accused even falsely or whatever, it's like, you know, what do you do? What do you do? I mean, you just fucking lay low and you try to live your life. You know what I mean? Obviously that this, you know, this doesn't define you as a human. You know what I mean? You have a fucking catalog of drum work and, you know, a billion relationships that, you know, and people that vouch for you and shit like that. You know what I mean? So it's, it's odd to just see it. Right. You know, but still, yeah. it's a it's a thing it's a thing that has to be talked about because it's a, you know what I mean like yeah no you know you, you know I I tried to you just kind of shove it into the corner for a while and I thought well you know the best thing I could do is just focus on drums the best yeah. thing I could do is just focus on new projects whether how small or big they are just play music and do what you do and love right. uh, you know I never wanted to talk about it and you know but it's got to come up at some point and you know. Yeah, well, you now have, the, the smoke is cleared, be, right? You can't have it be the elephant in the room all the time. You have to, like, try to deflate the elephant. You know what I mean? And, like, you just want to, you know, have your story be told, you know? Right. And, you know, maybe you know, maybe now's the time, you know, people's – we have more attention from people because they're stuck at home, and maybe people will be a little bit more, like, understanding yeah. or open-minded or just kind of humble about the whole situation yeah. and just kind of, like, oh, you know, think about things, you know? Because it's, yeah. it's, also, it's also a hard it's – a hard, it's a hard situation to be in if you're falsely accused of something, especially because we're such supporters of women's voices of yeah. coming out and saying shit. You know what I mean? And then when, I, next, I, someone, I, when <laughs> someone does a – exactly, exactly, you, you included when someone does a false allegation, it kind of like, it, it drives you nuts because you're like, I don't want it to be like this because I want women to feel comfortable. Right. You know what I mean, you don't want to be the reason yeah, that, that women can't feel comfortable to other women, feel comfortable to come forward about other situations, you know what I mean? Not including you, it's about other people. You know right, I mean? but you know, yeah. that, that, that kind of shit does nothing for people that are truly suffering some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. 
It's yeah, a, there's some stuff that I mean, and I, I know that you're being uh, very like cautious about not throwing anyone under the bus and all this stuff. Well, no you know one should I mean? be thrown. But, no one should. You be know thrown. what I mean? But the thing is, is we all have moments that we regret. We all have fucking blowouts oh, with our significant others that we regret. We've all said yeah. things that we've regretted. We've all done yeah. things that we've regretted. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but that and, is, you know, should you be executed for the one fucking bad moment? Not saying that whatever we refuse have happened, but that's should what you I'm be saying. Executed yeah. for it. You know what I mean? Right. No, but like when, but like having an argument is different than being accused of hitting someone. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, and an argument, like, like that's not like you can't, you can't put the two, the two together. And like I said, you didn't, you didn't do this. I believe you. Do you know what I mean? Like what we've talked about and stuff like that. But it's also, it's just, it's just a weird time to be alive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and if I, if I wanted to spend time to go into great detail on this person's character, it might sway the public and you guys yeah. you'd think but differently. Also, but, but the thing is but the thing is is like i'd never do that to anybody i'm not gonna do that right part of me feels like i should but even after all this i won't right and you yeah. know I, I i'm not the first person to even suffer abuse myself i've been in toxic relationships with other women i've you know yeah, yeah. you know yeah we've all fucked but you up also them. don't want to be out there going like you know trying to like you know like you say, like talk about that person's character because other people will be like, well, he's just fucking being a typical abuser. You wow. know what I mean? Trying to, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's yeah. a hard sea to, it's a hard sea to sail. Trying, yeah. you know, and regardless of everything and, you know, all my sadness and anger, I'm trying to be the better person. Yeah, exactly. Just be the better motherfucker every once in a while. Try to move forward and be better than the person that you were. You know. Yeah, but you know, that's that's just all I want to do is just in hopes yeah. that we can get past this and just keep playing music and kicking ass and having a good time and enjoying life again, you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, I'm, I'm not going to get specific on this, but this has even gotten so far that I had the opportunity to play for a specific band, a pretty big band. Uh -huh. And because of my allegations, I had to speak to their manager about this beforehand. Mm. The manager had to talk to record label about what they thought about it and record label declined it because of my allegation. Wow. Yeah. I wow. mean, you know, and, and I, even got, I, I got word with people that work in the department and said that it's nothing personal. We just fear negative press. Right. And that's, yeah. The We're not saying you did it. Yeah. But we can't have this. So, right. when does it end? so when does it end? What do you do? Yeah, right. yeah. The thing is, like, I understand that from that side. You know what I mean? Like, it's just hard to, like, business. It, you know, business. I mean, it, it is it. It's business. You know what I mean? And, like, they don't want to put all this backing behind something and then have it get shit on because like I say, true or not, it's out there and it's fucking, it's just a, it's a weird time to be alive dealing with these kind of, these kind of situations. You know crazy. I mean? There's just nothing you could, you know, there's nothing, yeah, it's, no. it's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Yeah. So, okay. Um, so, I mean, but at least yeah, I, we hit that. We hit that. Yeah. But <laughs> so now that, now that like it's all happened, it's all blown over. It's, you know, you seem to move on. You're still doing your thing. You're drumming. I see yeah. you posting videos all the time. I mean, yeah, like provided an opportunity for you to like work with, build projects, and you know, Ozorn is one that 
I mean, fuck, man. I mean, the couple shows we've played together have been incredible, but I yeah. see, you know, you're starting to work with a lot of new bands and stuff. So maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's good because there's a whole other chapter. I mean, we all have chapters, right? You've had Absolutely. five, six, yeah. seven chapters. I've had four or five, you know what I mean, of playing music. You know, it just, you know, it could be, things could just be kind of a blessing in disguise. You just, you never really know. Um, and like I said, Ozorn was kind of like the beginning of that, you know, and um, God, just so much emotion was put into the making of that record for me personally. You can tell, man. Felt yeah. so right, you know. Um, so I'm super thankful to have worked with those guys. And then, uh, you know, a lot of other opportunities have come since my time moving back to town. Um, I started, I, I teamed up with a buddy of mine, uh, Russ Brownfield. He's a buddy of mine from Oklahoma City. And he started a project called Avitas, which is a progressive metal band. And it's kind of like, it's kind of reminiscent to some older intronaut cloud mm-hmm. kicker kind of mashuga stuff. It's really, really pretty, really technical. And we did an EP called Machina, and uh, I recorded my drum tracks with Armand here at mm-hmm. Captain Quarters. And then they uh, shout out to Armo, dude. Yeah, the man. Yeah, and, uh, the, he did our record. And these other guys kind of like did their stuff in different areas. And then uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Jamie King. He's a producer. He he did bands like Between the Buried and Me and like, like some big like hardcore and progressive metal bands, but uh, he's got a name. It's super legit. So we did that. We already touched on the Ben Wood stuff, the flamenco stuff. Yeah, um, the Ben Wood stuff is so crazy. Dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm currently working on, stuff. and then from, from the East Coast, I'm working on the uh, Circuit of Sun stuff. But mm-hmm. actually, uh, before that, uh, Mike Darren presented a random project that was a female fronted progressive metal band, uh, which we entitle Aratus. Um, and I flew out to New Jersey to record that record with, uh, uh, Kevin, he plays guitar for Dillinger Escape Plan. He has a studio called, um, Backroom Studios. Right. Yeah. Um, So we did seven songs and it's, it's all over the map, man. It's like, someone asked me, Oh, what does that sound like? I'm like, if massive attack Portishead, Early Fear Factory and Meshuggah had a baby. That would be oh, it. Jesus like, what the fuck? How does that work? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We're yeah, hot, like, Fear, Fear, Factory was, Fear Factory was one of my first big metal shows in like the mid nineties. <laughs> well, you know, it grooves really hard. It's really beautiful and atmospheric. It has a shoegaze element to it, but it's fucking brutal. Not nice. I actually recorded my drum tracks just before the shutdown. And then the studios weren't even open, so they were on hold. And then they're now in the studio, I think, as we speak, doing their tracks to finish that up. So it's like fucking crazy, man. That's well, cool, man. It's great to see you got some shit on the horizon. You know, like I said, hopefully this all this drama and chaos just spawns some new shit. You know what I mean? Because your right. fucking music, you're my age. You know, your music career ain't even close to fucking over. You know what I mean? Right. And then, uh, you know, I'd been jamming with Jake from Thornlord again, and we've been talking about kind of extending some of that old stuff. Hell yeah, dude. You know, and, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. We try to get together when we can. We'll see what happens. Yeah, Jake's a, yeah, he's, he, isn't he teach? He's like oh, yeah. a teacher, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Cal Arts Institution. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's huh. wild, man. That's some crazy shit. Right, so, what is your, like, obviously, with the corona, everything shut down, like, is it? Do you have anything planned, like live music-wise, at all? Are you? Are you? Is anyone no one does. at this point? No one does. I know, but I I keep asking because I want to see. Like some people are trying to do stuff, you know. I want to see. No, I mean it's basically just um, people emailing me material. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I don't even think I, I'm not even working with anyone in Ventura. It's all, I got people in Florida, New York, Oklahoma city, right. You know, just kind of trading files and working from home. And to me, that's enough for the moment, but um, you know, God, I just want to jam in a room with someone. Yeah. yeah I feel you, man. <laughs> I want to feel it. Yeah. It's something to be missed, man. We had practice the other day for the first time in months and it felt pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah, something I wanted to bring up in this interview, you know, questioning on your end is like, you know, you guys attempted to do the live performance. Attempted. I like that. Well, I mean, it's this isn't something that everyone's doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a work in progress. So what I can tell you is that it felt really good to play because it did feel like a show. You know what I mean? Besides – and I kind of went into it on, the, I, on a couple podcasts ago about the frustration. We basically had a dude that was going to handle the tech side of it. And some, he had some serious medical shit happen to him. And so me, my caveman brain had to try to figure out how to use this streaming program and all that. And it just, me and Armand, who is a smart motherfucker, could not get it to work. Just couldn't get it to jive with the system. Couldn't do it. And uh, so by the time we were ready to go on, it fucking crashed like immediately. And and it was frustrating because Armand, you know, not to be too inside baseball, but Armand wants to do it. You know, he wants to start doing this stuff at his studio because shit's, you know, a cumble. Well, yeah, like I said, it's no problem. It's a work in progress. I think it is, you know, you just got to figure it out. Trial and error. I'll tell you, man, it felt really good to play. I mean, after four solid months of not playing a show, not doing nothing. I mean, I did take when the wrath ended. I took a good solid year or two off of playing music, um, yeah. uh, and it obviously when tongue started, it felt really good to play again. But it, this was good because I've never we've we've never been through anything like this. We've never yeah. been forced to sit down and sit still and be with ourselves, and you know what I mean. And the playing itself, even though even though it was in a studio, and even though there was no one around. Um, just playing as a band together and acting like it was a live fucking show, it felt so good, dude. And good. It, it, it hit all the things that you, you'd want to hit, you know what I mean, essentially. Um, I wish the technical side of it worked a little bit better. But, you know, uh, I, you know I, we'll I, do it again, and realistically, we'll do it in an easier way, you know, on Instagram yeah, Live. I, I, or you know, I, like I that, think, you know, it's just a thing. It's trial and error, and we'll figure it out. And even uh, I just mentioned – uh, the last place I recorded, uh, Kevin from Dillinger Escape Plan Studio, they just started streaming live shows. I think they did one or two that seemed to be pretty successful. Right. So I think this is going to just become the norm. You know? A little it's, bit, dude. It's going to be a new evolution of just ways. Even when shows stuff. come back. Even when yeah. shows come back. Because it's not like it's not like it's going to turn into what it was before, where there was like 300 shows a night in L.A. Right. You know I mean? right. Like, there's not like there's too many bands. There's not going to be enough venues. So yeah, yeah. I you think know? everyone's going to be fighting for them when they do open. You know, so you're going to be seeing this stuff. Like I said, the technical side of that stuff, it can get worked out. Um, but it it just felt good, man. It felt good to yeah. fucking play. And then with it being our last show with David, you know, that felt good to at least get some sort of like closure on that, and then to move absolutely, on to the next man. part. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I just say we just keep working through it till we figure it out. And because, you know, who knows what the fuck's going on.
what's going to happen. You know, they're saying well, this is it's forced to 2021, box, but yeah. I mean that might not even happen either. You know, yeah. like well, they are saying you know there's a you know they're testing vaccines. Um, I'm hearing that they're supposed to be like really like from pretty credible sources. November they're supposed to be making some serious announcements, and then like January, February, like rolling out some real kind of vaccines and stuff like that. There's like three. I've been doing a lot of reading on it. There's like three companies heard, that have. I heard someone say that his name was Donald Trump. Is that your? No, no, no it wasn't. Donald is that your Trump, credible no. source? Hmm? No, definitely not. Who's that? No. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Not Trumple steel skin. But, um, uh, yeah, no, anyway, it's gonna eventually this will pass. I think honestly, a solid well, twenty twenty one, mid twenty twenty one, we might be able to play a show, but I don't know, you know. But like I said, you know, it's I like this at least because it's forced everyone to think outside the box a little bit, man. Yeah. You know, and, and figure out what's important. You know what I mean? Obviously, you know. And there's and there's been incredible stuff going on. You know, put politically stuff like that you know so there's um, gonna be some new technological advances and things going on i mean like I, oh god what's the new thing that a lot of musicians are doing uh i don't know about this but twitch oh yeah see and that's what everyone said on the feed they were like dude go to twitch i'm like i don't even know what that is that's what i <laughs> yeah. said in the last interview i did with my buddy eddie he was talking about twitch i'm like I said, I don't know what the fuck. Apparently, it's the biggest live streaming website in the world, and we're all missing right. it. <laughs> I guess, you know, if, if someone feels like they want a tip or they want to pay something for the show, they can. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't – yeah, I just saw, like, a thousand comments, like, go to Twitch, go to Twitch, go to Twitch, go to Twitch. I was like, oh, fuck, dude. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know if that was like some sort of like TikTok shit or like. I don't know. I just didn't um, see. No, I. Craig's a TikTok master. That's right, man. TikTok is fucking. TikTok master. It's that that shit has become wildly entertaining to me, man. You get in a <laughs> fucked up algorithm, you find some. Go to the Get Heavy fucking stories page. They're full of incredible TikTok. Really? I'll check that out. Oh my god. There's I, some I really more good ones. like people rapping than anything. It's like. Dude, there's there's a really dark, it, like. It's like early YouTube dark weird shit on that fucking page, man. Uh, do That's I need good. to go down? The, do I need to go down that rabbit hole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if you could, I don't know. Anyway, well, fuck, man. Um, uh, dude, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's been really yeah. nice to talk to you to catch up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. thanks, thanks for having me. I fucking yeah. it's good to see you guys. I miss you guys. I wish we could just all hang out in a barn. Yeah, yeah. You know, eventually yeah, one day. Is there any links you can uh, tell people that maybe go check out or anything like that? Uh, anything you want to throw out there? Any Anything. Promote what you want to promote. Yeah, promote what you want to promote. Or just say, be good, everybody. You know, <laughs> you know what? I'm with the just, just treat each other with respect. There, there we go. go. Just be good. Nice. You know? Yeah. Be patient. Like you're going to the, go the Bill and Ted fucking exit. Be excellent to each other. Be excellent to each other. <laughs> yeah, there are no links. I mean, you know, go to my social media. There's shit on there, you know. Yeah. Not, no, that's fine. Cool. All right. Yeah. Thanks for talking with us. Yeah. Uh, everybody, go subscribe to Get Heavy Podcast at all the fucking podcast spots. Mm -hmm. Like everything. Rate it. All that good shit. Uh, we got merch coming out soon. We got Patreon. Wow. Soon. We got Patreon happening now. Right. And check it out. Yeah, it's actually merch is out now when this yep. comes out. So catch you later. All right, Peace. guys. All right, you guys. Take care. Later.